Hey everyone, what's up? My name is River and you're listening to SCU Buzz Podcast. Today I'll be chatting with Aleko, a Bachelor of Contemporary Music student. Motivated to bring live music back to the Northern Rivers campus, Aleko was instrumental in organising the Anamoya Music Festival, where hundreds gathered at SCU Aardvark to enjoy student-led live music, including his band Liminal. Welcome to the podcast, Aleko. It's great to have you here. Yeah, thank you. So... Tell us about yourself. Who are you? How did you get into music? What is your background? Well, I've had parents who are like very supportive with music. Like my dad's a music teacher, so obviously that really helps things. And also my mum was a drummer with my dad in a band that they had, so that was kind of cool. And so, you know, I always had musical instruments around the place at home growing up. And I think that it wasn't really until sort of year 12 and like uni really that I've had like some formal one-on-one education with music, but it's something that I've always been really passionate about. I used to make electronic music when I was younger, like I used to sort of, you know, start getting into drumming and everything. And so, yeah, it's sort of led me to this point where I'm actually studying it as something that I want to do at Southern Cross Uni, you know, and continue doing as a career. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hope so too. Yeah. What instrument do you play? Oh, I'm a drummer. Oh, yeah. great. Following in your mum's footsteps. Yeah, yeah. That's great. What kind of what kind of uh, music do you play on the drums? Are you jazz? I know you said earlier you played a little bit around with electronic music. Yeah, so I mean, with the drums, it's been something that's been on and off. But recently, now that I'm studying uni, um, and also in year 12, that was like my main focus. And I really love drumming. And I mean, like the genre that I generally revolve around, I kind of primarily play like psych rock and like interesting like time signature experimentation stuff sort of king gizzard inspired but then also like i've been learning a lot of other sort of styles of drumming at uni so i've been doing samba we've been looking at jazz blues and all that kind of thing and all of that actually feeds into the other stuff that i do it all helps so yeah Mm. and so so other than king gizzard also massive fan who are some of your other idols in the music world i mean i have a lot i really love apex twin and I really love like the sort of avant-garde stuff like Delia Derbyshire. I guess she's not really avant-garde, but like the early sort of pioneers in electronic music and sound arrangement. And then as far as like bands are concerned, I'm really into like Mr. Bungle, King Gizzard. I'm also into like Faith No More, which is another project of Mike Patton. Pretty much anything he's involved with is pretty awesome. Queens of the Stone Age. Got a bunch of different sort of influences of like the 90s and kind of more contemporary experimental rock Mm, yeah mm. so you were quite instrumental in the birth of the Adamoya festival at Aardvark would you be able to tell us a little bit about where you got the idea from what inspired you and what it was like organizing that event It's kind of interesting because I started with the online show, Anamoya, which was essentially based off the ABC show from the 90s Recovery. And Recovery had like hosts and they'd invite, you know, all sorts of touring bands, international acts and local acts all together to sort of perform on live TV. And I wanted to do something similar with the resources that were at D-Block because we basically have all the same stuff that they have. And so I put that together and then I kind of figured, you know, we have like six bands from that that are able to perform live. And so... 
I thought, how can we then like get more exposure for this and showcase like these awesome acts? And so like naturally I was thinking like, you know, actual live music as in a festival format or like, you know, in the venue would be a really great progression. And so it sort of just started from there. I just asked the bands that played in Animoya to do this festival and they were all very keen. And yeah, that's kind of how it got started. Wow. And so what was it like as well? Um, What was your process with organizing a music festival through the university? I mean, the first step was really talking to Alan Hughes, who runs sort of, you know, oversees the arts and music faculty. And he was really supportive of it. And if anyone else is really thinking about doing music at the Aardvark or anything, who's a student here, I really recommend talking to Alan or Jamie from the Aardvark because, you know, they're very supportive of the music, of live music at the uni. But basically, yeah, that was the first step. And then basically all we had to do was have the costs of cleaning and security covered and have all of that kind of sorted. And then from there, it was really just a matter of like, you know, it was full creative control. You got to do whatever you want, you know, whatever bands you want, however long you want to go for, you just have to communicate it. And then it's sort of, that's how it happens really. Yeah. Yeah. And was it, was the Aardvark a good venue to play in as well? The Aardvark is, in my opinion, the best music venue in Lismore currently, not just because of like the support that I talked about before, but also just the fact that all the money goes directly to the bands. The thing about that is that a lot of pubs in this area straight up don't pay musicians or that if musicians have like tickets on the door and stuff like that, they're still having to cover all their costs and everything. Whereas at the uni, you know, we had sound supported by the uni. We had all the costs kind of covered. And so all the money could go straight to supporting the bands that were playing. So that's one point, I think, of like why the Aardvark is the best. And the other thing is like just the acoustics and the resources that are available. There's two stages. There's one actually in the Aardvark and then another that we used um, on the side of it, which is like a much bigger performance space. So that's the one we used for this. And both are really good. Like it blows me out that we haven't had more of this. And so I'm really hoping that from this, you know, there can be more live music and there's more happening in the Aardvark. I agree. I agree 100%. And and I also understand as well, in today's age, it is really hard to be a musician because most venues don't pay artists properly. Mm. Would you be able to tell the listeners why it's so important for musicians to get paid properly? Yeah, well, I mean, there's a lot of costs involved. Like, quite often, like for me, for example, I'm travelling to Lismore like an hour out of town. Even musicians in Lismore who might be playing at venues in Byron, they'd be driving like an hour over there, you know, spending probably 50 bucks, 80 bucks on petrol if they need to fill the tank, that kind of thing. Plus, you know, the gear transport, paying for a sound engineer to be there if they, you know, most bands like just wing it with the sound at the moment. Like they just sort of get it set up and hope for the best because like paying a sound engineer, you're looking at a minimum of like $200 if it's like, you know, someone doing it as a hobby or something. And so there's a lot of costs involved. I think a lot of venues like the idea of having music, but don't necessarily understand the full cost involved. And that's why we need to have more conversations about what venues can do to actually support the artists and what financial kind of requirements are involved. Because I think that if we keep having this thing where bands sort of come to a venue and like only put in like their maximum effort only goes so far with what they can facilitate. And so 
gigs tend to just be you know half-baked I guess the sound might not be so great bands are having a really stressful time with feedback and like trying to get stuff done plus the added stress of like even making the money to make it worth it you know that's sort of the gigging experience at the moment and I mean that's kind of become normalized in a way even for professional musicians like the teachers here at uni who like do session music like outside of just teaching like have a similar experience with this stuff and I think that we need to sort of shift that and what we were doing at Anamoya Festival you know is sees a massive shift because you know all the money from the ticket sales just went straight to the bands every musician made 250 or something dollars just from playing one night every musician so that's not like just bands that's like individual people got paid well and all their costs would have been covered the food that they you know had to buy that night everything like that and we need to see more of that because the reality is that without that there's not much other support for live music yeah no look i i I 100% agree with you i think that um you know in today's climate Musicians need venues and venues need musicians, you know, like it's a it's a give and take relationship. And um, I think it's really incredible that the Aardvark at SCU is kind of leading the way in in creating a more equal relationship between the artist and the venue. It's it's fantastic to hear that all musicians were getting paid $250 each because I also understand that, you know, it's not just the night that the musicians are playing it's also hours and hours of practice it's band rehearsals it's like you know upkeep and maintenance of of their instruments so it's it's really fantastic to hear that the university is kind of leading the way in Lismore in terms of good musician experience in the venue I think that's fantastic so I'm going to ask you a question about diversity too because as well um hearing that your mum was a drummer that's fantastic and and kind of you know like I know that um female and gender diverse musicians are starting to be able to to have more visibility within the music scene would you be able to tell us why it's important in music festivals and venues for there to be diversity within the musician musicianship yeah this is like a just one of the most important things i think that also needs to be factored in because to say that the general demographic of white male musicians who are struggling that that's one story and then the other story is that there's like musicians who aren't part of that demographic you know who are queer or like female or of color or anything like that who just don't get opportunities full stop and it's just because they don't get booked because they don't fit this image by sort of having a broader representation and diversity within the music acts that are featured in the music scene in the live music scene you bring with it an audience that is also more diverse and inclusive so the typical kind of experience walking into a pub even with music playing and everything is kind of intimidating white guys who get really drunk and violent at each other that's been my experience every time I've gone into a pub I don't know about other people but I think that by having an entertainment industry that is representative of like a much broader sort of demographic it like mirrors within like the audience that comes to support them and I think that not only is it inclusive in that way but then it also inspires people who you know previously thought that they couldn't participate in the same way within the live music industry it gives them sort of some hope and inspiration to follow in the footsteps of the people that they're sort of watching Mm, and the future is definitely safer pubs yeah (laughs) 
So as well, speaking about venues and ticket sales and, and, and profitability while we're on that kind of a tangent, how did you go with the ticket sales for Anamoya Festival? It was stressful because I think a lot of people in Lismore don't buy tickets beforehand. They just wait till the day. And so it was actually very tricky to kind of communicate with the bar, like how, how much food they should sort of prepare beforehand and, you know, what their capacity should be aiming towards. And because at, at the time, only 50 online tickets had been sold a week out from the festival. And I was like really worried about how things were going to turn out. But then on the day, we just got like 100 extra tickets sold on the door of people who were just showing up and so that was great but the main thing with the promotion was just sort of I went through a variety of platforms so we did a promotion on Bay FM I think 2NCR also ran some promotion I'm not sure but I think obviously like you know putting it out there onto all the different platforms social media as well putting physical posters around town really helps all of that sort of contributed to the ticket sales I think Mm. So you're also in a band yourself by the name of Liminal. Would you be able to tell us about the origin story of Liminal, what kind of music you play, what kind of gigs you play? Yeah, of course. So Liminal started in kind of year 12. I was jamming with my friend River, who also went to high school, and we both went to Richmond River. And so, yeah, we were doing that just in the music room. And then after I left school, we sort of, I had more headspace and, you know, actually studying music at uni, I had more headspace to really focus on that. And then so we recorded our first album, like a lot of which was done over lockdown. We were just sending files to each other via Google Drive. And then we basically sort of collaged this like album together, this psych rock album, which is Place LP. And so we've just last year, we established like our live act, which has my brother Oscar on rhythm, guitar and synth. And Tom, who's another uni student here, who's also in like Puff and he has his own, own solo project, Floatface. He was playing bass with us now. So basically we have our live act together and this year we're really um, wanting to promote our second album, which is White Dots, which we're also pressing to vinyl and we're going to do a bunch of gigs soon and hopefully one at the Aardvark and that will be announced soon. Oh, we'll have to keep our eyes out for that one. Yeah. That sounds fantastic. I'm really excited to hear your new album come out, particularly on vinyl, which also can I ask with, I guess, with the digitization of music today, why is it important for musicians to still produce their music on CDs and vinyl? On one hand, it's about the listening experience. I find that on Spotify, people might hear one of your tracks in a playlist, but they don't really get to listen to the full album. And I think that physical mediums like vinyl, for example, if someone buys a vinyl, it's like a guaranteed listen from start to finish of your album, you know. And I really like that. I think it's important to sort of have that still. And then the other aspect of it is the money and that is that Spotify pays I think they pay three cents per stream or 0.3 cent I think it's 0.03 so yeah three cents per stream and they also have all sorts of license agreements such as like DRM which is digital rights management that essentially like give them ownership over these digital files so the musician basically has no freedom or control over those files once they're with Spotify Spotify can do whatever they want with them and I kind of 
on one hand, I think it's necessary to still have a presence on streaming platforms, but ultimately the money that you get back. So for example, it costs like $50 to put an album up onto Spotify as a one-time payment. And then you get three cents per stream. So then you end up, I don't, I don't think we've actually made money back having put our album out onto streaming yet. Whereas we've like actually made a profit from selling vinyls, Mm. you know? And even though we're in, we we only pressed 150 vinyls and we haven't even sold all of them yet. And I've already kind of made the money back and we're like doing another pressing, you know, it's really amazing. Like, even though that the, initial cost is more expensive obviously um to get them pressed it becomes more worth in the long run because you have people listening to your album in full and you're actually like making money off it for once so you know i think this is something i want to kind of explore maybe in future study if i do my honors or phd because i think that the music industry and the ethics within the music industry they haven't kept up with the current digital climate of how things are going. I think that there's a divide between tech companies and the music industry and the music industry is relying on outsourcing things like streaming to tech companies that don't have an interest in music but they have a vested interest in make in maximizing their profit and kind of you know piggybacking off music to do so that's how i see it running operating at the moment and how we can change that is to diversify the way that um, people access music digitally and that is a massive conversation to be had that I could go on about. <laughs> Huge conversation to be had and necessary too. I'm quite shocked that you had to pay Spotify, not to get you blacklisted from Spotify, but like yeah. that you had to pay Spotify to get your music on there. Mm-hmm. And then there's already millions of people around the world paying yeah. to use Spotify as well, um, yeah. which for all the listeners out there, make sure if you're going to stream on Spotify that you also buy the musicians vinyl and CDs so that you're still supporting them. Yeah. Um, the other option is like a lot of bands do t-shirts and surprisingly even successful bands make the majority of their money from selling their merchandise really? so, so if you're looking to um financially support the artists you listen to especially if they're independent artists or local artists then yeah buying the merch is a lot more helpful than paying for a spotify subscription <laughs> <laughs> which speaking of can we get any liminal t-shirts yet or merch? um there we currently have vinyl only but i've just been screen printing t-shirts at home so we'll have those out in probably a week or so fantastic yeah. and also just speaking of vinyl too because like it's it is making quite a little bit of a comeback in certain communities particularly communities listening to certain genres of music would you be able to speak to what the sound quality is like on a vinyl and and why why you continue to press vinyls in today's day and age The sound quality is an interesting one because how I see it is that people kind of compare things based on the idea of there being this universal measure of like quality but I think it's just a different sound digital is going to sound different to vinyl it's not going to sound better or worse neither is better or worse than the other 
again, just linking back to the idea that, you know, someone's going to not, someone's not going to listen to a track on the vinyl and then put on another record and then like be able to like shuffle between them or have like an algorithm decide what they're going to listen to in that scenario. You have the freedom to just put on a record, listen to it and then put on another record, you know, which I do like. And then, yeah, it's interesting. Um, on a more technical note, mastering for vinyl is a very different thing. So there's actually different specifications. So you have to make any bass frequencies you have to make them mono so they're not spread between left and right channels and then you also have to get rid of all these sibilant frequencies which are like high frequencies that cause distortion on vinyl because they're not really designed for that whereas on digital you do get more flexibility i have to say though when we first did our pressing hearing our tracks on vinyl with the kind of crackling underneath that was a very fulfilling warm sort of feeling i was just like this this feels like we've actually put something out there and done a release it's hard to describe the actual kind of feeling of it but yeah it was it was really um it was very special and very something else to hear your own music kind of playing back to you like from a record probably more rewarding than listening into it on Spotify and knowing that you're getting absolutely nothing. (laughs) (laughs) I can imagine. Um, So amidst all of these amazing things that you've been doing with your band and and with the uh, organising of the Anamoya Festival, you're also studying music here at SCU. What has that been like for you? Um, I've really enjoyed it. I think that honestly... I wouldn't be where I am now having not like number one had Dave Sanders and now also Scott Hills tutor me with the drums. Like they really have just helped with a lot of different things with my technique, um, playing ability and everything. So that's been just amazing. And I'm also really happy that my music theory is sort of up to scratch because sort of at first you think that it doesn't really apply necessarily to like what you're doing. But honestly, just being able to like name literally any chord and like being able to hear notes and just like be able to like, you know, it's hard to like fit it all into one sentence, but essentially like you're able to translate your ideas so much more clearly once you have a really good understanding of music theory and it makes communicating those ideas to other people so much easier Um, and you end up like getting more done as a result. So I think it's like really crucial. It's been really crucial for me and like my ability to sort of continue with like what I'm doing. And yeah, I'm really looking forward to sort of contributing back to sort of the more academic side of the, you know, studying like the music industry and kind of contributing to that, hopefully in future study with, you know, regard to the digital um, music industry. Mm. I'm excited to see what you do with that. I feel like that's really necessary work to be carried out. So we only have time for one more question. What advice do you have for emerging artists and musicians in the industry today? First of all, I'd just like to speak to the local music here in Lismore. I think that getting in touch with venues and trying to get gigs, maybe try to get a... Like the thing that I see is the best thing you can have as a musician right now is a good video recording of yourself playing live music because as soon as you have that, you can submit that wherever and you can start getting booked for gigs like that, you know. Starting out as a band is like the hardest thing because no venue really trusts that you're going to be good, if you know what I mean. You really have to like start small and then work your way up. But having a video of yourself entertaining people um, and sounding kind of with like a good live sound happening 
that's just evidence right there that you're able to sort of, you know, do gigs and, ha- and bring an audience and, you know, and that's really helped us, really helped Puff, the band here, doing the Animoya show and also Animoya Festival because all of a sudden they went from a band that no one even knew what they were playing and they hadn't released anything and all of a sudden they've got like a video of them performing to their best ability and they just have been like getting gigs nearly every second week. So I think that is like the best possible thing that a band can have and really just focus on the doing um, and don't be afraid to just like, you know, contact anyone and everyone because you, you'll never sort of reach any sort of peak with that. Like you always want to like get yourself out there. So yeah, just emailing venues. And if you want to do a gig here at um, the Aardvark, I, I believe there was a gig recently, um, like a punk rock gig. And I had no idea about it. It wasn't student organized or anything, but like apparently it went really well. So I think like really, if you want to do like a really nice gig and do something like that, do it at the Aardvark. hundred <laughs> yeah. percent. And I actually, I realized that we have one very, very, very last question for you. Yep. Where can listeners find your band on social media? Good question. Uh, <laughs> so we have an Instagram at liminal the band so l-i-m-i-n-a-l um that's liminal we have a website liminalband.com they're kind of like the two more important things we're also on spotify and all that we're on Bandcamp. but basically if you go to the instagram or our website it links to all those things so if you can just remember those two yeah and we'll have like updates about our new album and everything like that fantastic do you also release on there where you're going to play next uh, yeah, yeah, we do all our gig updates on there. Fantastic. Yeah. All right, well, Aleko, thank you so much for being here today and for talking music industry and venues with us. Um, I'm definitely going to walk away a little bit wiser about the music industry and what it's like to be a musician. So thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thanks, Haves. <laughs> We would like to acknowledge the Widjibal Wyabal people of Bundjalung country as the traditional owners of this land. We would like to acknowledge and pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging.